Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast. This is a, it's not a victory Monday, but it's a victory celebration for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They won 32-6 to today, earlier on Sunday, over the Carolina Panthers to clinch their first NFC South division title for the first time since 2007. The voice you're hearing right now is Matt Matera. Have no fear. John Ledyard will be here at some point during this podcast. And joined with me is none other than our social media extraordinaire, Casey Hudson. Casey, how are you doing tonight? What's up, Matt? We still haven't found you a nickname for for the no-stash Matt, but I'm doing good. (laughs) That game went um, a little better than expected, for one, but... We're happy about that. I think the most important thing is the fact that the Bucks clunched the NFC South title, which I think some people are hoping makes up for last week's loss versus the Saints. I think others are still kind of wounded by all of it, but um, an interesting game to say the least. I don't think it was their best, obviously. And I am taking into account the fact that there's so many starting players out, but what was your opinion on the game? Yeah, without question. It, it wasn't the Bucks' best game, but when you look at the score, if you just scoreboard watch and everything, you'd say, oh, the Bucs dominated. They absolutely crushed. And they did to a certain degree, but especially on the offensive side of the ball, they were methodical. They were surgical. They sliced and diced the Panthers. It, it wasn't just all deep plays down the field. They had some mm-hmm. splash plays, and we'll get into that, um, but it was a lot of just capitalizing on opportunities, making things work, and yeah. getting the job done when it really mattered most. And one thing that really helps me get my job done when it matters most <laughs> is drinking a Celsius energy drink. Um, if you don't know, the oh, yeah. Peter Report podcast is energized by Celsius. I cannot recommend it enough. Amazing flavors. You got, uh, you know, jackfruit, dragonberry. Uh, strawberry guava. Strawberry guava. <laughs> kiwi guava. Um, the, the logos itself are amazing. I'll put it up right here for you. Tropical vibes. You you already feel like you're on vacation when you're looking at the can. And the most important thing is you drink it. It gives you an energy boost. There's none of those jitters, none of those, uh, shakes that you get from having other energy drinks. You could take it on the go, start your day. You can get a workout in and, uh, it's just overall super, super helpful. And we're very thankful that they are a sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Absolutely. We can attest to the fact that it keeps us alive and alert through these long game days. But more importantly, we know one player that may have had a couple Celsius's today. Yeah, who Jordan would that be? Oh, my God. I think This he had guy had two. to smash multiple Celsius's today for his performance. It has yeah, to be said. Absolutely. And let's start on the defensive side of the ball, because as as much of the splash plays were fun to see on the offense with uh, mm-hmm. Keyshawn Vaughn, we'll get into that. <laughs> this defense deserves a huge shout out for the yeah. fact that this is the second game in a row they did not allow a touchdown. We're going mm-hmm. on eight quarters, essentially eight and a half if you count the overtime win against the Buffalo Bills, the infamous Rashad Perriman play. Uh, <laughs> who could ever forget that? But I, I, I don't care that the Saints essentially have a tight end slash running back slash wide receiver as their quarterback. I don't care that the Panthers decide to have two separate quarterbacks playing this game as John Ledyard enters the show. But this defense deserves so much credit for not allowing a touchdown two straight games, not to mention seven sacks, not to mention, as you just said, Casey, the Mm -hmm. fact that Jordan Whitehead was flying around, laying the lumber. He's one of the last few defensive players 
that I would categorize as an old school player because he hits and you see it coming and he brings that intimidation factor that I think really helps his Bucks defense. In my opinion, he was the best player on the field today. Absolutely. And extremely versatile. I mean, I know you guys have talked about it before, his ability to, you know, help out in the in the rush game and help out in, in the backfield and stuff. But I mean, today it's just like the guy had no like no way of gassing out. He just had the momentum to keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And I think the best part about the defense's performance today is that if you look at the statistics after the game, yes, Jordan Whitehead led, but followed by Mike Edwards, followed by Kevin Minter. It wasn't any of the top guys' names that were really the every play kind of guy. So that was great to see because we don't know what to expect down the road here. And if guys like that can continue to step up game by game, then the Bucks defense has something to look forward to in terms of competing on that side of the ball. Hello, yeah, John Ledger. Gets, as I was just going to say, it's good points. As that unit gets healthy, I just feel like they have to be able to come in and wreck games like this, especially against these types of opponents. You know, the Panthers mm-hmm. uh, in two weeks, the Jets next week. No offense, Matt. I'm going to say no offense, Matt, a lot, uh, I think, uh, over the next That's week. But, <laughs> well, because all his team um, choices are just offensive. So. I was going to say, it's not, well, not the Penguins. <laughs> I'm all about that choice. Good job, Matt. Pittsburgh, we have to have something to cheer about. I know I see people in the Thanks. comments are already you know, talking about that Steelers loss. Thankfully, I've been running around working and all that stuff and haven't even really had to see any of that debacle, which is good. But it was pretty much what I expected. But on the other side of things for the Bucks, I mean, this defense, you know, a couple early field goal drives for the Panthers, they got in the red zone and – yeah, I was a little bit worried, I'll be honest, because the mm-hmm. sample size of the season is concerning. But they've risen up and they played great. And today was honestly pretty much exactly what I envisioned from both sides of the ball. It played out that way, right? Like kind of slowly crept into it offensively, built themselves mm-hmm. a nice lead, only punted, I mean, once really when the game was in doubt, the first drive of the game. Didn't punt again after that until the game was over, which is exactly what you want, the type of efficiency you want from the Tom Brady-led group, even with the injuries they had. But defensively, yeah, I mean, when you get seven sacks and constant pressure yes. against two bad quarterbacks, this is the way that the game should go. A hundred percent. And I think it was really, really cool to see that Kevin Minter got a sack finally to see. Oh, yeah. Well, Golsing, you don't hear his name much and he doesn't mm. get as much praise as I think that he deserves, but two and a half sacks. And I know a lot of people are like, calm down. It's just the Panthers. But I think you said it perfectly, John, like these are the teams where they should be performing like this. And then some, because this is the momentum that they can carry against harder opponents. Right. Yeah. No question. This was a big one, obviously. Andre, we appreciate the super chat, the promise week five, WWWLW every win super chat. Appreciate that. Andre. I'm too happy game balls to Antonio Brown and Jordan Whitehead hashtag go box. Love it. And yeah, this was uh, really exactly the performance that they needed. I think both sides of the ball, they needed to come out and string together dominant defensive performances, even against weaker units. That's something that they hadn't done, and I thought that they did that really well in this game. Pretty much everybody on the defensive line was good in this one. Uh, I don't know that anybody – I mean, they stopped the run. They rushed the passer very well. They were pretty much totally dominant up front, which is exactly what we said they had to do going into the game. I don't know if any of the things surprising defensively, but it's just it's a different group when Carlton Davis is out there. I think that's been very clear. Uh, for yes. the majority of games and snaps that they've played, Matt, they, he's been unbelievable. And I know he doesn't have picks, so we're not talking about it, but he's been outstanding. Yeah. John, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to bring up – I was just going to just say the overall secondary itself, but it starts with Carlton Davis, that number one corner that you're mm-hmm. able to put him on any opponent's number one wide receiver, and you don't have to think twice. He's just, he's just out there. He's going to do his job. But overall, with getting Carlton Davis back and – 
You know, you got Mike Edwards back this week from suspension. They're not even fully healthy because Antoine Winfield Jr. hasn't played over the last two games. But even the Bucs secondary at 85 to 90% healthy, having all of those guys in there just for a continuity standpoint helps out so much with one, obviously, pass coverage, but helping the defensive line get home because the quarterback has to hold on to the ball just a little bit more. And on top of that, when the secondary is blitzing, that first sack of the game, that was all Jordan Whitehead. He went in untouched. He obviously didn't take down Cam Newton, but he was able to at least make the initial hit to rattle Cam Newton, and then Will Golston got the sack. It's the timely blitzes by the secondary. It's the fact that they're healthy. and The fact that Carlton Davis is an absolute baller when he's playing, and then you get someone else going crazy like Jordan Whitehead did or we've seen from Antoine Winfield Jr. Yeah. Healthy. And it's made such a difference for this defense. I get it. They're not playing the best offenses. Yeah. And this defense might not let up another touchdown for the rest of the season because they're playing the Jets and then the Panthers again. So we're, we're talking about we go four games without the defense allowing the touchdown. But they're <laughs> playing their best football at the right time in December. I understand it's not the best quality of opponent, but you but, can't do much more when you're playing these guys. Yeah. This is what they're doing, and that's great momentum leading into a guaranteed home playoff game. Right. Yep, exactly yeah. right. Good super chat here. Play like crap against teams that aren't that great. So. Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon against, <laughs> yeah. you know, in New Orleans is right. you know, the perfect example. Uh, Vin and Sori says, uh, for the $5 super chat, we greatly appreciate that. Uh, serious question. Should the training staff be looked at considering the Bucks are injured in significant players all year? You know, honestly, the Bucks, the last two game, two seasons have been, even the first season Arians was here since they came over, the sports mm-hmm. science stuff and everything that they use have been, uh, I think, the number one team in the league over the last two years in terms of the uh, average number of games lost per play or something like that. Um, they've basically been the most least seriously injury-prone team in terms of serious missing serious injury time. Some things you can't help, but I think they've done a great job altogether, uh, the training staff. A lot of the injuries this year don't have anything to do with the training staff. They're just yeah. unfortunate. Like, you can't have a training staff that prepares you for Chris Godwin's injury, which is the most significant exactly. one they faced. This year, just football happens. Uh, injuries are mostly luck, and some of it is training stuff. The one thing they did after the first year was they took a look at some of the injuries, like that they were the soft tissues at the end of the year, and they changed guys' training practice regimens. But that's been in place. That's not the reason why things like Mike Evans and Leonard Fournette's injuries happen, for example. Like those guys have been taken care of. They have a lot of veteran things in place, and they're even practicing on Wednesdays. So there's not like they're just walking through. So there's not a whole lot they can do to ease workload off. It just happens you get to the end of the season not everybody's body is gonna respond the way to it same way um to, to what it's been through uh throughout the season so a lot of talk about jordan white and a lot of talk about the secondary uh in the past events too i thought the the or the pass rush i thought the past defense was as impressive as the pass rush and i think this is the first time maybe the bears game uh, you know asterisks for what the bears were at that point especially <laughs> in that game there. you know they were just so dreadful um but I think, yeah, that uh, that performance by pass defense and pass rush, we always talk about, and the coaches always talk about marrying those two together. That's really what happened in this game, really, I think, for maybe the first time all season for a full game. You know, they just had that against the team that wanted to throw the football, got Sam Darnold in there, pass obvious situations. A lot of team, times they would give up stuff in those situations, but really hardly anything was surrendered until the backups were in there, and even they stood tall against the Panthers' starting offense in the red area. And can we just take a second to appreciate how pathetic the Panthers are? <laughs> they are just oh, yeah. so bad. What happened, Casey? This team started 3-0, and people said, oh, those games the end of the year. I, I 
I should have saved the tweets and the text from people, but I know you have to screenshot everything these days, but I I think it was just hopeful fans because I'm, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm a very transparent person. So I'll be the first one to say that in the past couple of podcasts, I did mention the fact that Cam Newton can be an issue if you do not play the game, you know, to the best of your ability. That being said, the defense had a really good game and they kept Cam Newton out of the end zone because in his last five games, he's rushed in a touchdown. So part of me was kind of anticipating a little bit more momentum from the Panthers, but mm-hmm. I'm really impressed with how the Bucks with how the Bucks manage. And as it's been noted, these are without some of their key guys. This is without Antoine Winfield Jr., who's usually a driving force out there. This is without Levante David, who's got how many tackles this season. So it's really good to see because when they get back to full health, then you can only imagine the damage that these guys create if they continue to carry this momentum game by game. Now, I did want to see a lot more action out of JTS, especially with some of the guys that they were going against on that offensive line for the Panthers. Talk about a pathetic performance. Where was he? Yeah. Well, he was dropping I mean, in coverage. <laughs> yeah, but, and he was in there a few times. <laughs> he was in there quite a few times. He won his one-on-ones too. You know, not everybody will show up in the sack call. Maybe that had an impact mm-hmm. in this game. I think the tape will reveal more impressive performances. But yeah, you'd Which love to see his sack numbers be higher just because there's so many winnable. He's had so many matchups that he's won this season. Yeah. And it's Isn't just, it crazy? I mean, they, have, they have seven sacks and Joe Tryon Shoyinka isn't on any of them. I thought he would be at least a half a sack today. Right, (laughs) and let's not forget, too, that um, Shaq Barrett didn't play with the exception of the first series of the second half. Shaq Barrett didn't get, didn't play the rest of the Mm -hmm. second half, and they were still getting after mostly Sam Darnold. Cam Newton sprinkled in there a little bit, but they did a great job there. Steve McClendon came close to getting the eight sacks, so we're almost talking about a touchdown and a two-point conversion (laughs) in terms of sacks for this defense. I just yeah, thought that rather crazy. than McClendon getting the half a sack, JTS would have got it. But it's fine. I'm I'm trying to yeah. be less nitpicky. And McClendon almost had a solo sack too. He, I know. Just got the pass away. That would have been eight sacks out of He's it. He's the kind of guy that likes to make it count when his jersey number gets called. But yeah. I'm and then you, I'm, right. again, I'm also happy to chew my words when it's when it comes to calling out SMB earlier today, Sean Murphy Bunting. It was nice to see you and recall what your jersey number is, and you know, know your face and become really familiar with who yeah. you are. So that was good. Yep. It's funny. Sometimes it feels like even when SMB plays it right, he can't get right. You know, he pretty good coverage <laughs> on the long pass from Taysom Hill and Taysom Hill makes easily the best throw of his NFL career last week. And it's like, dude, yeah. look at this guy. This guy can't do anything right. He does the right <laughs> thing on the assignment sound, you know, play on the post pattern. He'll underthrows it by 10 yards and the guy makes a catch. It's like this yeah. today tips the ball and third down, it goes up in the air. The Panthers receiver catches it, gets a big gain. He comes right back, makes the play, knocks down the next one. They get off the field. You know, he, yeah, he played well, no question about it. Uh, again, obviously the Panthers are what they are offensively, but when you're this dominant defensively, it deserves a shout-out, especially when you win the line of scrimmage to the extent uh, that the Bucs did. Now let's just run through some stats really quickly for this one because it's pretty incredible. Panthers in this game had 16 first downs despite obviously being in a pretty you know aggressive, got to throw the ball for most of the game because they were trailing. 7 of 18 on third down and over 2 on fourth down. They just had 273 yards of offense. Even with all the garbage time, they had to pile up yardage. and So that came in garbage time. Don't get it mixed. Uh, that's all they got. And they had 4.1 yards per play today. Again, all this garbage time, soft coverage to work with, a whole long drive at the end of the game against the backups to fudge those numbers. And they still only averaged 4.1 yards per play. 
Uh, they were just, it was ugly all game seven sacks. We talked about, they had the one turnover. They were over three in the red zone, over two in goal to go situations. Um, not a lot that they did well in this game, six penalties for both sides. So penalties weren't really a big story of the game, but the Panthers had some pre-snap penalties as well. So it was just brutal for Carolina. And it was because Tampa Bay's defense was flying around. I know y'all have talked about Jordan White and I think he'll probably get more talked about more when we do the game ball section, but he was fantastic. And, I want to get both of your thoughts on this quickly because we, we won't touch on as much in game balls, but what happens with Jordan Whitehead this offseason, Casey, we'll go to you first and then over to Mapple. What happens with Jordan Whitehead this offseason going to be a free agent? Obviously, Winfield is here under contract. Edwards is back under contract. The Bucks only have so much cap space to work with. Whitehead's price tag might be going up. He's got good numbers this year. I think two, team, two years of really good tape around the line of scrimmage, blitzing against the run in short, shallow coverage areas as a zone defender, improvements there. He's not the most valuable type of safety in free agency, and safeties have not gotten paid in free agency, but he's still going to command a pretty decent contract. Is he a guy the Bucks should push money into future years to try and bring back? I think he just upped the ante on that conversation for a couple of reasons. One, looking across the board of this season, Jordan Whitehead has been a, as a strong help in the defense regardless. Oh, yeah. Um, even, you know, even his lesser games have still been, you know, him having an active role and contributing to the team. Also, in the last couple of games, it just seems like he's his his effort and his ability has become more apparent. Today's game sent the conversation over the top because you kind of just mentioned something about the kind of safety that he is. But realistically, if you look at the teams across the league and the schemes that he may fit into or the schemes where he could be as versatile of a player, those options may become limited. So he may not have to, he may not hopefully not be outrageous about his asking price, but in the same sense, I think the Bucks would want to keep a guy like that on their team because if they can build off of the momentum of the younger guys that they have, I kind of tweeted about it. Like for a minute, you kind of saw from an outside perspective what the future of the Bucks could look like with some of these names that popped up in the further seasons to come. And you saw that they could play well together. So I think that they would want to try to preserve Jordan Whitehead if it doesn't come into this huge asking price because who knows where he'll end up and if he'll be able to get that money. And if he gets that money, if he'll continue to play at the pace and the ability that he is playing at. So I would like to see Jordan return to the Bucks next season. Yeah, it's so hard because, you again, I'll keep saying this over and over and over again. Everybody, you can they can bring back who they want. It's all, mm -hmm. it, you can push money into future cap years. You can structure the cap how you want. Saints are like the epitome of the example you know, they're talking about, are they going to get Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson this offseason? They have the worst cap situation in the NFL. Yeah, they're going to eventually lose some people because, you know, guys are going to, are going to, but that's, but they've had this window open for forever. They obviously couldn't capitalize on it, but the Bucs, you know, they might feel like they're in a position where they can capitalize on it for a few more years here uh, with Brady playing the way that he is. I mean, you know, where's the drop off going to be? So they might feel that way and they might think, oh, we can push more money into future years to, to re sign Jordan White. They can do it. It's just a matter of Matt, will they? wants to do it is whitehead meaningful enough to what they do is he valuable enough to what they do to commit money and put the cap in yeah i mean the cap's going to go up every year but still putting the cap in a tighter spot in future years if you resign him yeah it's funny because I, I feel like I, i've said this before where in terms of like right now yes the bucks want jordan whitehead back but every year there's a team especially that wins the super bowl and mm -hmm. we'll see what happens with the bucks this year but it, it kind of still plays there's a team that wins the Super Bowl, and you know you obviously can't bring everyone back. And there's always one guy that ends up getting the bag from another team um, that will pay a little bit more for Jordan Whitehead. So the way Jordan Whitehead is playing right now, yes, 
the Bucks want him, but I feel like he's playing himself off of the Bucks, but into the waiting arms of another team that will overpay for Jordan Whitehead. And I think what hurts Whitehead a little bit is that you have the security there with Anton Winfield Jr. and Mike Edwards. The Bucks still have to decide what other players that they want to pay. For example, Vita Vea down the road. They can't afford to lose Vita Vea when they don't really have another top-level defensive tackle there with, you know, Domkinsu, who knows how long he's going to play for. Outside of that, it's guys like Nacho mm-hmm. and Benning and guys you don't really want to rely on to be your number one starter. Receiver, yeah. it's the same thing. You have, you know, Chris Godwin torn ACL aside. If you don't have Chris Godwin, well, then you're down to Mike Evans. Antonio Brown's on a one-year contract, and we've we've seen more and more as the week goes on that – Tyler Johnson, not exactly trusted. Scotty Miller, not exactly trusted. And it's just yeah. there's so many other areas that the Bucs have to address. I would really like Jordan Whitehead on this team. I just feel that with so many other avenues they have to go down, I don't know if they can. Yeah. Here's something if, for both of you to keep in mind as you think about this and materialize your positions and everybody else too, Bucks fans and myself. There's been a lot of comparisons in the contract world. I talk to a lot of people who do contracts and talk to NFL card because I'm always getting a feel for what's coming in the offseason. So I haven't said a lot of this stuff on the podcast because we talk about it in the offseason. I want to hold this stuff for that. But yes. Von Bell is a comparison that Jordan Whitehead gets a lot in the contract world. He signed a three-year, $18 million contract with the Bengals in the 2020 offseason. So that's the kind of comparison that's been talked about a little bit with Jordan Whitehead. They're very similar players in that they do their best work around the line of scrimmage, blitzers, run defenders, physical tacklers, kind of underneath safeties type of players that limitations get revealed and they're in deep coverage and targeted a lot. They don't have that range of the ball skills down the field, but in short zone areas underneath and things like that, if they're used as kind of an an add-on player in the box, which obviously Bulls loves to do, they can be really effective. And in this scheme, Whitehead's probably more effective than he'll be in a lot of other places, not every other place, but a lot of other places because he isn't a single high free safety and he won't be able to hold up rotating there and making plays on the ball and being asked to make plays on the ball in that situation a lot. So I think you could get Whitehead back for maybe 8 million a year. If you consider that probably that money probably goes up, but I think you could get him back for seven, $8 million a year. Somewhere in that range is not out of the question. Remember safeties have traditionally not broken the bank in free agency. It doesn't matter who they are. But better numbers than than White it'll have. They haven't really broken the bank. Now he's old, he's young enough, and he's he's versatile enough and physical. I think he's the right demeanor and everything enough that teams will be interested for sure. But I don't know if it'll be every team in the league. And the market for safeties is typically not as booming as a wideout or an alignment or something like that. So interesting to think about. We'll have to consider, you know, that plus of his cap number. We're not talking about paying a guy 18 mil or something like that. We're talking about paying a guy eight. Then it's okay. Oh, well, that cap number can easily more easily be spread out over future years than a larger cap hit number per year. So that's something to think about. He'll be easier basically to re-sign than somebody, even like an Alex Kappa, who might be looking at eight, nine, ten million maybe a year. So uh, that's something to keep in mind uh, for people too. So interesting discussion with Whitehead. It's going to be yeah, it's going to be very interesting. People, a lot of people. He's becoming a fan favorite quickly. I actually think. He was unbelievable against the Saints. I don't know if people have access to tape or not. I, it's my bad for not getting to it before the end of the week with everything else going on. But he was so good. I'm going to have to do Jordan White at film room and I'll maybe just yeah. do the last two weeks. Cause he has just been, he was so good against the saints. I mean, he was probably even better in this game somehow, but he was, he was amazing against the saints too. So he's played some really, really good football for this team for no question about it. Since coming back from that calf injury. Okay. Let's flip the script over to the offensive side of the ball in this game, because that is where, honestly, some decent – I say magic, and I mean magic, because 
Cyril Grayson had a huge long catch in this game. And Keyshawn Vaughn scored a 55-yard touchdown. Matt, I just want to know what was running through your head, Matt, when you saw Keyshawn Vaughn in the open field stiff-arming a guy and weaving his way around Cyril Grayson's block. And what were you thinking? I was kind of screaming. I was like, go, go. Like, what? <laughs> Keyshawn Vaughn's in the game? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because uh, I'm I'm uh, at my uh, visiting my family for the holidays and everything. And, you know, my family's all at the pool, at the beach, hanging out. And I'm like watching the game and my dad walks in. I'm just screaming, go, go, go. And he's like, what the heck is going on? It was, it was. He said, extreme. a jet scored? <laughs> yeah. Well, we got into that later, but um, it was just, it was so surprising. There's something about running the ball in Carolina that just makes the Bucks have these splash highlight real plays. It was the Ronald Jones 98 yard touchdown last season. Now it's the Keyshawn Vaughn Lenny, 55 yard touchdown. Lenny run. in week two. Lenny had a yeah had a, something about playing against Carolina. Yeah. They just love to rip off these huge runs and surreal Grayson Jr. with the with the block at the end. It was more just like put his hands up and get in the way of of the defender, but you know it's <laughs> it still worked. That's called um, ferocious blocking, Matt. Yes, yes, that was quite ferocious. That was um, <laughs> but it, it was awesome. Honestly, it was awesome. It was fun to watch. Very fun. Yeah, I agree. It was yeah. uh, the kind of performance or the kind of play I should say from Vaughn that inspires you know some belief that he could be at least a pure runner it's just amazing how bad he is in the passing game it's honestly stunning how bad he is in the passing game like i don't think i've, I've never seen a player in the nfl that incapable i mean he now has 13 career targets and the dude has six drops and he fumbled one of his other catches like I, it's almost impossible a, like it's like I was intentional waiting, i was waiting for the report that he broke his hand after he punched the ground oh my god him, but yeah <laughs> i mean i just i don't know i've never seen that in the nfl casey where a guy just cannot catch the football just basic simple uncontested i've never seen that many drops with that few targets in a career I don't know what that's about. I mean, maybe not enough time on the jug machines or something, but that needs to be his like Monday through Wednesday before they put on the pads on a Thursday. I was surprised too, though. It took me a minute to realize what Jersey number was running along the side. And and he did so well with making sure that he continued to get down the field, but uh, it's the consistency that kills me. Why, why can you do something like that and then turn around and yeah, like that's way harder. Plays. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, that was way harder. Le- Le'Veon Bell is going to earn himself the third back role just by process of elimination of that yeah, they can't trust anyone else. Like the, the pass to Rojo by the goal line, they ended up scoring yeah. on the Cam Bray touchdown. But that second down, second and goal, Ronald Jones, if he catches that, he probably gets in for a touchdown. But that goes off his hands. And then, yeah, Vaughn <laughs> has issues too. Le'Veon Bell is going to win yeah. by default. As long as he <laughs> catches the ball in practice, he's he's going to get an opportunity. He was best at, at the Steelers. He can actually catch the ball. So yeah. seeing all these brick hands out on the field is going to quickly let other guys get opportunities there. So, I mean, who knows? Because even in his post-game presser, he was just kind of like you could tell that he's you see the – the the frustration in his in, in his face that says you know I have to do better at some point I have to kick it into that mm-hmm. other gear I have to become more consistent but there's some players who just won't find it and we don't know if yeah. Keyshawn Vaughn's the kind of guy that will find it I mean I don't know how many more opportunities it's going to take but good for him for finding the end zone I was I was happy yeah. to tweet out that he hushed a lot of people by finding the end zone today because you know we, we do our jobs, but we want to see people perform. We'd rather talk mm-hmm. about the, the, the good stuff rather than the same old, please do better, please. Right. So. Absolutely. We want to see everybody succeed. We do. We just have an obligation to 
to just point out when when Vaughn struggles, obviously. And, you know, the run was great uh, after that. It, it was kind of a weirdest day running the football. You know, I think people who didn't watch the game will probably go to the box score and they will say, stand by. They will <laughs> yeah, say, oh, Rojo's numbers ran. don't look great. 65 yards for 20 yeah. carries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Keyshawn Vaughn, I think, was like seven right. carries. Right. But I think they'll look at the, oh, they ran for 159 yards on the Panthers. Well, 55 were on one play. And mm-hmm. they had a 14 yarder by Grayson and an 11 yarder by Brady. So you get to that situation where you're like, okay, they didn't really run the ball very efficiently in right. this game. They wasted, in fact, they had, oh man, I'm going to go back and look, but they ran 31 times. And I think at least 10 gained like between one and negative yardage. Like, yeah, the, the, the Panthers crazy. really, the Panthers really started essentially selling out for the run. Cause I thought early yeah. on they ran the ball well. And I thought the Bucs did a good job when they ran in between the tackles. Rojo was ripping off four yards, seven yards, eight yards. He was doing well. And then they started running a lot out of the shotgun and they started really trying to hit the outside. And then Rojo all of a sudden tried to play a little superhero ball and tried to, you know, he was stuck in the backfield. He tried to like get out and turn the other direction. Um, I think if they just stick to the pace of running in between the tackles and then, you know, mixing up here and there, like on the Vaughn play or a sweep to surreal Grayson, then they'll be fine. But um, Mm -hmm. in between the tackles, I thought they did a good job. It was just, the overall, once the Panthers really were like, okay, we have to stop the run here or else there's no chance of stopping them at all where they really got into trouble. But I definitely wasn't like unhappy with the run game outside of the, the Vaughn touchdown. Yeah, I mean, Vaughn had six other threes in this game for 15 yards. Mm-hmm. And then Rojo right. with 20 for 65. You know, to me, that's the story of how the run game did basically in this game. So yeah, most of the carries again in the game I thought were they just were not very efficient. They didn't run the ball very well in particular, but they manufactured when they needed to. They got the splash play in the 55-yarder. They got the end around from Grayson to hit. Brady takes off with a scramble. So, yeah, I think you know the 5.1 yard per carry average is pretty deceiving because they weren't out there popping five yards off every carry. And you're yeah. right, in the second half, it just got downright ugly for most of the game in the run game. But there's no question they did enough. Kind of Maybe that's what the Bucs are at this point. Maybe they are that type of team. And if they can manufacture the splash plays in the run game, you know, then then that helps. You obviously like to see less one to negative yard carries. This was the most I think I can remember in a game uh, for the Bucks this season. But you're yeah. going to get some of that. Rojo bounced outside a couple times when he shouldn't have, but also there was nothing up the middle a few times where he was running. So it'll be interesting to watch the All-22 and see some of the end zone views. But you cannot say enough good things about the offensive line and pass protection, right? When Brady was under pressure, it was almost always add-on rushers Rojo blew a block and Brady had to throw one away. Um, but you kind of, again, just kind of expect that from Rojo at this point. Brady's going to have to try and survive the next two games despite that from the running back position. Hopefully Bell is a little bit more ready next week for at least pass protection. But right now those are those are the, the reps right now where the offensive line was shining in this game. And although some of the add-on blockers and, and add-on rushers made Brady throw the ball away at times, the offensive line in terms of one-on-one did their job for the most part, especially against the Panthers' good edge rushers. Yeah. It's funny because when you're watching the away games, I, I think the part that was a little comical today was how the commentators are going nuts every time Josh Wells went into the game. Cause it was like, <laughs> Oh, it's going to, what kind of breakaway are we going to get now? And it was like, uh, nice. Yeah. That was right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we appreciate the $5 super chat here. Need more likes. Y'all these folks, the best in the business. There's like 600 watching only 69 likes. 
nice, but please, yeah, get that number up if you can. We would really appreciate that, obviously, if you guys can. Everybody who's watching can hit the thumbs up button. Give us a like. That would be huge for us. Boosts our YouTube right. SEO. They love seeing that. And so when they see that, they'll put this video and our podcast in general in front of people who are looking for stuff like this, looking for content like this. And we'll be able to get those people to subscribe. If you haven't subscribed to Peter Report TV, make sure you subscribe as well. Uh, it's really good stuff with Peter Report TV. We do podcast live shows all week long and we do them at live in-game streams during the games and we'll have it all for the playoffs too and then the draft and the offseason will draft content and all 22 film rooms on prospects and all that stuff so lots of good stuff coming your way on this channel so make sure you're subscribed and share it tell other people about the good stuff as well uh as we get going here toward the end of the regular season there's only two weeks left and the bucks have captured an nfc south crown casey you know you and i you've you've well you've know a little bit more because you've grown up in this area i'm obviously new to down here i've pretty much only seen them when they've been division and super bowl champs matt now at this point for you you've covered the team for a while there were probably some times covering this team where you thought these are the guys are the the can't get right team in the nfl and they're not gonna win a division we talked about after the super bowl obviously to do it backwards makes the division crown it feels like bus fans have kind of moved right past (laughs) it you know and i get it i'm not saying i hate it they've they've done what they needed to do but Feels good to win that crown still, doesn't it, Matt? Yeah. I think that crown's more so about just like rubbing that in the Saints' face. When it comes yeah. down to it, the conversation <laughs> is more so about anything that you can throw in the Saints' face and say, ha-ha, you didn't get it this time. So, I mean, that's huge. 14 years, nearly a decade and a half. And to think about who was on the roster at that point <laughs> that helped make that happen then versus now, that speaks to the talent on this roster. It's just – it's going to always come down to the same – humdrum finding the consistency to make sure that you guys can actually compete to continue to drive forward because there's a lot of things that raise eyebrows it's like okay this is cute but what happens when you get into playoffs like if we're talking about facing off versus the packers and this and that you know last season they legit had the name grave diggers because the defense was firing on all cylinders almost every single game whereas this year you either get a hot defense or a hot offense it's been a little better getting consistent on both sides of the ball before the Saints game and today. Um, I will say what did alarm me a little bit today is that they only broke 30 points because Ryan Suckup's foot was on point. And that's telling, depending on who you face off against. Yeah. You know, you yeah. got to find yeah. the end zone more than just two rushing touchdowns, right. one yeah. passing touchdown, and your tight ends don't show up. One reception for Rob Gronkowski for 23 yards and then two for Cameron Brait, yeah. 11 yards, Negron. one touchdown. Yeah, and Gronk dropped a touchdown. He dropped Brady's best throw of the day. He dimed to the back corner of the end zone right through his hands. Yeah, we just got to connect that catch. Yeah. 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 And it's just like, okay, we he wasn't as bad as last week, but he wasn't given an opportunity to be as bad as he was last week. So when mm-hmm. we start talking playoff conversation and surviving in the postseason, these performances aren't particularly going to cut it. Great that they have the crown. I'm excited as somebody who's grown up in the Tampa Bay area forever. More importantly, I like to say shove it to the Saints. But outside of that, I, I like to look at the reality and the long stretch of it. Yeah, yeah be- because the Bucs won the Super Bowl last year, I-, I see this NFC title. And it's certainly, you know, they deserve all the credit for winning it. And and that's great. But it's kind of like, okay, nice. But what's next? Yeah. The Bucs clinching the NFC South, while as exciting as it is, and they deserve all the credit because they earned it. The thing I just like the most about it is that they're guaranteed to have at least one home playoff game, which is super mm-hmm. nice. They had the the home playoff game in in the Super Bowl last year, but that was just the right timing. They earned a home playoff game, and we know how good the Bucks are at home, excluding the um, excluding the Saints game last mm-hmm. week. So I find that most important. I think it's exciting too that they have a chance. Still, the one number one seed is 
probably out of reach, but they still have mm-hmm. a good chance to get that number two seed. And I think that's super important because then you're guaranteeing yourself um, you're guaranteeing yourself at least two home playoff games if, if you win in the first round. So I'm looking at the big picture in terms yes. of winning the, the NFC South. I think that's most important more than anything else. Yeah, good points. And we're going to get to the game ball section. And this last thing we got to talk about before the game ball, though, is Antonio Brown. We got to talk about him on the field and we got to talk about him off the field, yeah. too, because that's just what it is. It's the reality of the situation Antonio Brown continually puts himself in. We've really stayed out of, for the most part, a lot of these conversations with Antonio Brown. I think it's clear that we all disagree with what he did and we think that, you know, it was wrong, all that. You know, we're not trying to act like we've never been there, never done anything wrong in our lives either. I know that's the first thing people say, oh, you've done, you've done something. Yeah, that's not our point. Our point is that we cover the team and we got to talk about the things that happen. And obviously we disagree with that. I think we all wanted more context and more explanation for the fake vaccination card situation. How long did he deceive the team? Doesn't seem like anybody really wants to talk about those things, but there's still some gray areas. Bottom line, I think most people, reasonable human beings, disagree with what Antonio Brown did. You've not heard us talk about it that much. You've not heard us harp on it for sure. But the reality is Antonio Brown was available to the media for the first time since that happened today. The Bucks and Antonio Brown are the most naive thing you can possibly imagine if they don't think he is going to have to field questions about that. And yeah. look, AB has become a professional at faking it in these media interviews. I covered the guy for years in Pittsburgh. That's always how he's conducted himself with the media. He's faked his way through a lot of different interviews. And that's fine. That's his prerogative if that's what he wants to do. But he cannot get angry and lash out at the media for asking him questions about behavior that he permitted. Like, that's what he did. Like, he did those things. And it's like fact at this point, you know? Like, the report came out, and then he got suspended. I will say the first stop of the entire situation is the fact that as Bucks PR, I wouldn't have put him out there if— That was shocking. It was already already kind of interpreted that he was— in a, in a temperamental situation. So I think it starts with the, the protection of the franchise. If I was running the PR, I wouldn't have put him out there. The minute he sat down in that seat, you knew that this guy was either not going to answer your questions or about to throw the tantrum that he throws or talk in the circles that he's talked in his entire career. Mm-hmm. It was the tone was set from the minute he sat down at that microphone. Yeah. No, that was, it was no question. That was an interesting decision by them. You could look at it a lot of ways. You know, the fact that they probably were going to have to have him face the music and they were going to face a lot of criticism if they didn't have him step up at some point. I'm a little bit surprised it was post-game. Yeah, I definitely was. I was actually joking around with y'all in text. I texted yeah. y'all, can't wait to get AB I today. And then I was note. like, right, right. I was like, in, in parentheses, I was like, just kidding. And then boom, he's out there. And again, he has to answer questions. And guess what? You know, Jenna asked her question, the first question that was asked him in a very polite way. And she wasn't going at him at all. And I'm sick and tired of the way people talk about them. She's a reporter that's her job, like yeah. to ask those right. questions. She isn't even an all 22 analyst and do the because the kind of stuff I do. I'm not out there, you know. I, my, yeah, I think consider my job maybe a little bit different than hers. What I do, or at least my area of expertise, different than hers. She has her area of expertise, and it's her job and everybody's job. She wasn't the only one either. Stroud asked questions. Alman asked questions. Uh, other people asked questions. Joey Knight asked a question about his ankle recovery, and AB yeah. launched yeah. into the longest <laughs> diatribe so, about how like everybody's out to get him. It's just if like, I could dude, for if I could for reality. a second, John. If I could for a second, that's the part that to me was kind of hilarious in the sense of, okay, he essentially cut off Jenna's question, said next question and said that media is all about drama. Um, Greg Allman kind of asked them somewhat of a, you know, in the ballpark type of similar question. And he answered it quickly. 
if he would have just stopped there and then he got more questions about the game itself, if he would have just stopped there, would have been like, oh, that's bad. Okay. But then the fact that he gets a question about his ankle and how did it feel coming back from the ankle injury, what went wrong there? And he immediately goes back to, you're making up stories. You know, people are trying to frame me. You guys are all about drama. That's on him and only him. Maybe he heard the question wrong. I'm not sure. But well, he could have got flustered and just started reeling. Like I, I feel th- like he I tried so. to shut down a question and then he realized that he didn't answer it and then he kind of wanted to answer it, but then he answered it in, in the aggressive yeah. defensive manner. Now, what I will say that a lot of people don't realize is that you have to understand there's different styles of reporting. Jenna is not yes. a John reporter. John is not a Jenna reporter. Matt is not a John reporter. I'm not like you guys at right. all. There's different calibers to it. So what she did was absolutely not wrong. His reaction to it was entirely defensive. I think it's just the fact that he was trying to figure out how to recover from his outburst because, uh, I mean, everybody looks at things differently. I My parents taught me 360 perspective. So 360 perspective leading into the post-game press conference from the minute that he sat down, this guy's been on social media all week. Again, why the Bucks have allowed this man to be tweeting and doing stories and all this thing blows my mind. But his temperature leading into this game Put respect on my name, tweets in all caps. You know that this landmine was just waiting to go off. So I don't think that it was particularly Jenna. I just think that he was waiting for a moment to go off. And that's why he started with Jenna, started to reel it in. And then the ankle question, he's just like lost it. Right. I don't, also, I don't know. People need to understand Jenna's question. I think it's super important. Not that she was, she was completely within her rights to ask something yes. more pointed 100%. than she did. She literally asked, what's it like to have Bruce Arians stand by you after an, a suspension by the league, another suspension by the league. What's it like to have Bruce Arians stand by you as a guy who said before, here's the ultimatum. Now he's standing by you. Is that meaningful to you? That's what she was asking. That is a completely harmless question. The problem is he was in his feels and he reacted the way he reacted. And like, that's all that it is. And like, yeah. look, I get that. But like what I hate seeing is, and I, again, I've said, I stay out of this stuff because I hate the drama stuff. That's the last thing I ever want to talk about on this show. I hate it. But like, this is AB bringing on himself and people who don't see that, man, I just think it blows my mind. Like it's not Jenna or Stroud or Alman or anybody at Peter Report's job to be in AB's corner or to be in the Bucks corner. It's just our job to get to the truth and reality and ask questions about those things. That's it. That's our job. Do are we happy when the team does well? I can only speak for myself. Yeah. Heck yeah, I'm happy. I think everybody at Peter Report, that's how we feel. If you want to argue that other people don't feel that way about the team, that's fine. Separate conversation, though. Separate conversation. AB and what he done, his actions have put him in the spotlight and allowed him to be in a podium in a position where he needs to answer questions about himself, period. And if he wants to fake it, and, and if he wants to say, you know, I'm just here to do my job and to answer every question, that's that's up to you, man. Like, But what if that's how he wants to handle it, fine. If he wants to, to pull that and not actually answer or say anything, again, that's his prerogative in my opinion. It's not his prerogative to say you can't do this part of your job, you can't ask this question, like, or that we're making it up. This is stuff that literally happened, dude, like, you actually got discipline for it. Nobody's making anything up. Nobody's creating drama for you. These are literally things that happen. And if they weren't, and if something's wrong about the facts, you got to say, you got to clarify. We're asking questions for understanding. That's the job, man. Like people don't get it. And if you're in the chat and you don't get it, that's the job. Like, sorry, that's what it is for reporters. That's, that's what they're supposed to do. Nobody attacked him in this interview. Nobody said anything like that. It was just basic questions to Antonio Brown. There were two of them, I think. And then he took the third one that had nothing to do with that, like you said, Matt. And he made it something that it wasn't. And so that's 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 my spiel on the Antonio Brown reaction situation. I think the way he's conducted himself was ridiculous today. But 
I mean, I've covered him for years. Again, I'm not necessarily surprised by it. You know, Pittsburgh is the same thing. He gets questioned. It's it's the victim card, and that's how he plays it, and that's that's what he's going to do. On the field, though, today was a perfect encapsulation of every reason why Antonio Brown is on this roster right now, Casey. Mm-hmm. The other stuff doesn't matter. The Bucks locker room is full of high-character individuals who will stand up there and take the heat and all the above, everything that you want. They're full of it. It's the best locker room in the league. I have no issue saying that, I think. AB is the exception in terms of the way he conducts himself, in my opinion. But when it comes to being on the field, you saw the reason why he's on the team. He was absolutely unbelievable today, even against one of the best corners in the league, Stephon Gilmore. Yeah. I mean, I think – and I that's the hard part. I think – and I don't – you know, we see you guys' comments. We acknowledge them entirely. I think at the end of the day, you're either the kind of fan that only cares about on the field or you're the kind of fan that cares about on the field and off the field. As for on the field, breaking 100 yards in your return, leaving off with 418 yards – that's awesome. Keep putting up those numbers for the team. I hate the fact that this situation somewhat dimmed the light on the fact that the Bucks won the NFC South title because that should have been the only conversation taking place in post game. But here we are. It's yeah. another day in the life of, of media, of sports, of football, of whatever it is that you love and celebrate. And we keep at it. We keep moving forward. So right. I'm psyched that they have the title. I'm more anxious to see how they close out this regular season chapter. There's no reason for them not to absolutely, no offense, Matthew, massacre the Jets, embarrass them, move on, re-embarrass the Panthers, and then heal up and prepare for the playoffs. And the other thing is you can't, overly get excited that some guys are going to return to this roster for playoffs because some know. of these injuries are really like uh you have no idea and if yeah. you force that return you might lose them forever so game one game two in the playoffs you might not have these guys the roster you're seeing now might be what you're working with and that's why this game was so important in my book yeah right it was yeah. important it was important to play the way that they did too they overwhelmed mm-hmm. the panthers in all facets of the game i think that was really important too matt the way that they they performed in the game Right. And, you know, you're just talking about getting to the truth. The truth is that Antonio Brown was the best player on offense for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in an absolute landslide. And he showed how much they need him. It wasn't just the fact that he made those 10 receptions. He made a sliding catch. He was making tough third down receptions to keep drives going. He was winning one on one battles. He was going up against Stephon Gilmore, again, considered a top-tier cornerback in this league. And it's even more impressive when you look down the list of Antonio Brown having 10 receptions. The next closest wide receiver was Surreal Grayson Jr. with three receptions for 81 yards. And obviously the bulk (laughs) of it was on that that 62-yard reception. I mean, look down the list. Gronk had one. Rojo had two. Cam Braid had two. Tyler Johnson wasn't even targeted. That was about to be my next question to you guys. Because we've talked about it for a couple weeks now. This wide receiver two slot now with the injuries, the wide receiver three slot for the past couple of weeks. What do you guys think is this this position is going to look like? Who's really winning this out after Tyler Grayson puts up a performance like that? Because people keep tweeting Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller. Okay, it doesn't look like they trust Scotty Miller. And he got one opportunity today. That was when Blake Abbott was in the game. Yeah, he's, beside, he's behind Zero Grayson because he can't block. It's that important to Bruce. It always comes down to the blocking. That's why Brashad Perriman ended up getting that, you know, getting more trust and opportunity over everyone else. Yeah. But I'm really anxious to see how that's going to develop because Tyler Johnson's not really cutting it. Scotty Miller is Scotty Miller. And then you have this position that needs to be filled at a, at a consistent level. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is, honestly, at this point, like that position, they're – it, we have to see how it sorts itself out when Evans gets back and Perryman gets back. My guess is those will be the, the three, Perryman, Evans, and, and A.B. 
and we'll see what's you know Searle's going to be probably a part of this equation the rest of the year maybe I I don't know I mean Darden comes back too so maybe not I, but I, at this point I just think Scotty's going to be down I like Burner over <laughs> Darden I, do. Oh, I yeah. like a lot of people over Darden I don't yeah. know why I'm not trying to be mean I, but. I feel the same way I get it uh, again maybe if Giovanni Bernard doesn't come back maybe Barner is valuable enough to keep him there. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, obviously, Darden's on the COVID list, so it's not like you can keep him on IR or something yeah. like that. Um, you gotta, you gotta make a decision with him for sure. So, um, okay, let's uh, let's transition here to finish this thing off with Manscaped uh, game ball segment. And by the way, if you don't know, with Manscaped right now, we've got a they've got a little paid partnership going on with PeterReport.com. And why is that? It's because we absolutely love their products and we think. They're utterly fantastic. Uh, Manscaped's uh, products are something. If you're not, if you don't know about them, and you're not, and you're not aware of them, check out Manscaped. Use the promo code Pewter20, and you can get kind of a better feel for what Manscaped is and what it brings to you. And you hear more about that on tomorrow's show as well, because we'll get Scott to give his Manscaped game ball as well in that one. But let's start with you, Casey. Offensive, defensive. If you have one on special teams, game balls for this division-winning victory over the special Panthers. Special teams. It's going to Barner because. I would like to see him replace Darden. So wow. I do have a special <laughs> I do have a special teams game ball. Um yeah, I mean if you asked Matt a couple of weeks ago, I think Scotty was on on special teams for Darden for a couple plays, or if not the whole game. And I was like, I'd rather see Scotty here than Darden. Look, it looks like he gets barely two yards every time that he goes to run the ball. And you gotta have a better something than that every once in a while there's just it's you know what to expect from Darden. it's getting too predictable and it's just very under thrilling for me as for the defense this is kind of hard because the obvious is giving it to jordan whitehead for just being majestic out there and mm. slamming seven celsius's before the game because Prashad perriman asked him if he was about to get tested all they're going to find in his bloodstream is a heap of celsius but i want to kind of give it to an, an, another guy. I mean, to see Cam Gill step up, Anthony Nelson's been doing really well in, in his fill and roll yeah, he whenever well. he's been called on, you know, um, and then Kevin Mentor, but. Are you just being JC? Or are you just naming everybody? I feel like I'm being JC right now. Okay. Okay. Seriously. My defensive player game ball is going to. um Crap. Just give it to Whitehead. You know you want to. Everybody should. Here's a ball. Fine, fine, fine. It's going to um, Will Goldstein. Oh, and... <laughs> good, choice. good choice. Good choice. Yeah, I thought I thought he deserved it. Two and a half sacks. He doesn't get enough uh, hoorah behind his name. Then offensive side of the ball, I am going with Grayson. Oh, yeah. I mean, huge game for he yeah. stepped up. Here's my most shocking thing. Well, we're on the Grayson topic again. How did he get caught from behind? How does that happen? He had like <laughs> 10 yards. He let off the gas. Did we lose him? It was small pause. <laughs> I think he got caught because he let off the gas. The best part is that he brought it up in post game, basically, slammed himself. Do we skip out there? Yeah, can you hear us now? Yeah, I got you. Okay. Cool. I was just saying, I was I don't my amazement about Cyril Grayson getting caught from behind as a former track star. I don't know how that happened, but he got caught from behind in immediately too. It was I don't understand how that happened. It was so quick. He looked like a fullback. 
The best part is that the minute that you asked about it, he completely tanked himself in the most game presser. He was like, yeah, that was not good by me. And it's like, all right, let's let's give this guy extra kudos. Anybody who can call themselves on so their funny. own crap. What did he worked. say? He said, I got caught from behind, so I guess I'm not a track guy anymore. Yeah, <laughs> he's not a track guy anymore. But we that need to do like wide receiver, so yeah, that's fine. That was his supposed to be his calling card was that speed. I mean – they blew the coverage and then he got caught from behind. I know he's going to be hearing about that one. It's a good thing they scored yep. a touchdown on that, but he'll be hearing about that one for sure. That was really that was a funny moment of the game where I just couldn't believe what happened. Okay, <laughs> Matt, go ahead with your game balls. Are you muted, Matt? Oh, Matt is muted. Hang on, Matt, you're muted. Oh, I and mean, you might be muted on your end. Yeah. yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, my right. mic, my mic went out. So, uh, I oh was, wow, the, the I was whole. Messing with- so yeah, was, racing thing was, just... yeah we, we took us all by the wayside. Um, yeah, so when my mic went out, it muted, but good now. Um, what I was saying is I'm going chalk here, going absolute chalk. Offensively, Antonio Brown, the offense would not be as productive as it was today if it wasn't for Antonio Brown. You could say anything you want about his post-game press conference, but 10 receptions for 101 yards, 15 targets. He was the best player on offense. I said that before, but it's yeah. worth mentioning again. And this team is undefeated when he plays, and he just makes the offense that much better when he's in there. So Antonio Brown for that. Defensively, there's no other person than Jordan Whitehead. He was an absolute monster out there, flying around the field, getting to the quarterback, making big hits, great pass coverage as well. He had seven tackles. Six of them were solo tackles, so he was doing it all by himself. He had the interception as well, which the announcer said it was SMB when it first happened. It was actually... Jordan Whitehead, who got the interception. The announcers did that, too, where it was like yeah. Clendon got the sack and he said someone else's name. The, the announcers kept getting everyone's names wrong, but that, that's <laughs> oh, the over there. Yeah, there are a couple times they messed up. But J- Jordan Whitehead was the man. He deserves all the accolades and praise that he's getting today because he was fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And don't get confused, guys. I'm not taking anything away from Jordan Whitehead. I think he was fantastic yeah. i think we already had a whole segment on that where you said that. i'm just not the person to always give the most obvious game ball so calm down in the comments yeah. it's not that serious i give him all the accolades that he deserves but i don't like to go for the obvious pick so right because because you know somebody else will go for it we so we got to spread out the love there's more than one player on the team exactly. that deserves it there's so having many said that right there's a lot of people on this team and a lot of people played well in this game especially it was dominant on both sides of the ball having said that defensively I, i'm gonna go with whitehead too i mean just because uh, the way that he's impacted, and we haven't been able to pick him that much, to be honest, this season. And, and mm-hmm. the way that he's – because injuries are part of it. I mean, he's not always been out there. But, yeah, he just plays really, really sound football. And against a team like the Panthers especially, it's just a tailor-made match for him. You know, he it was uh, great in coverage, which, he, again, if there's a weakness for him, it's – you know, there's some – I wouldn't say he's weak in coverage. i just say he's more limited in coverage, where everything else he's very versatile in terms of what he can do, blitzing and run defending. He can play in the box. He'll play off the edge. He can play from deep as a run defender. He can do all that stuff. Uh, but in coverage, I would say, you know, even that, he was great today in this game. The blitzing was great. The personal foul penalty was trash. I thought he did a great job of kind of – So stupid. Yeah, so yeah. dumb. I know he jumped, but he barely even hit anybody. Like, it's just ridiculous. Um, I thought he played a great game, uh, one of his best games of his career for sure. Maybe his best, to be honest, come up with that pick too. So he was sensational yeah. in this game. Offensively, I mean, you guys, I think, Matt, you said it. I mean, A.B. was the best player in this game, and he had the hardest matchup too. He had to win against Stephon Gilmore. That was the Panthers' really lockdown defender, and he consistently did it. I think Brady, one of Brady's only like two misses in the game was an early throw to A.B. where he could hit him, and then later in the game, maybe he had one kind of go off his hands on an out route 
um, that maybe could have would have been a tough catch. But those were like that. I mean, he got open from Gilmore even more than the box score would indicate. And so, uh, and he did most of his damage before Gilmore was out of the game. Obviously, he ran him off on a couple routes. Yeah, he just made Gilmore look real ordinary. And honestly, like I told Scott, I texted Scott this. I mean, this is this is literally what I told him early in the week. Just to, I'll read it to people on the show. I read it at the end of the live stream too, but um, Scott asked me on Friday before Evans news came out, he said, do you think the Panthers stick Gilmore on a B the whole game? If I was the DC, I would. And I said, probably. Yeah. If Evans is out and I said, but Gilmore won't hold a B if the bucks let him cook and he's healthy. I've seen this movie before with a B y'all are about to see it too. LOL. Because that's, I've watched the dude play almost every snap of his career. I've watched He's one of the best to ever play the game. If you think he's outside of the top five conversation for wide receivers all time, you're just kidding yourself. That's just reality. He's that good. You could tell, oh, wow, top five all time. Now, look, all time. I'm telling you, that's how good he is. And he's still playing at that kind of a level too. So, yeah, he's a complete difference maker for this team. And any team that he would be on that can tie their shoes together, he's going to be a difference maker for. So he's clearly the best player. But just for variety's sake, and because we barely talked about him on the show, Tom Brady, he was way better than the stats indicate. I think they dropped four balls today. Should have had another touchdown to Gronkowski. They had a third down that failed because uh, Brady ran his route into his own player, into O.J. Howard. You know, he was dealing with that kind of stuff. Tyler Johnson doesn't even know where to line up. They're in the goal line for the Rojo yeah. touchdown. He like, stops his motion behind that was the ridiculous. center. He's like, get out of here, dude. What are you doing? I was like, wait, was this designed? Was this like one of those plays where the quarterback – turns around he's about to call a timeout and they snap the ball to the running back you know I was like, What's yeah going on i mean blitz is all game he's been calmly fuming too at those mistakes it was yeah. just like okay next he was just as composed as could be he was calm mm-hmm. the whole game he didn't make any bad decision all good decisions accurate yeah. with the football made throws down the field the guys when they're open Great passes yeah he was just he was way better than the numbers indicate he is the stabilizing force that this team needs past Bucks teams lose a game like to the Saints and it just falls apart. And even with all the other talent that they obviously had on the roster at those points mm-hmm. in time, and Brady is just a stabilizing force. Even you start a game rough, you know, you know, everything goes well on the first drive and for either offense or defense, he's just a stabilizing force. You hear it after every game, they lose nine, nothing to the Saints. They get shut out to the Saints mm-hmm. and everybody in the locker room, like there's just nobody other than Brady. We always believe in Brady. It doesn't matter what happened in this game. We always believe he – like that goes a long way in the locker room. It's a huge difference maker. And so, yeah, I'll give him a game. And not to be biased, but this is why that All-22 tape is completely brilliant. You see in things from a completely different perspective. Because yeah. even while I was talking about Joe Tronchenko earlier in the, in the show, don't get me wrong. I know that you guys are going to point out how effective he was in so many plays, but when you pull up the statistics post game, it just looks like, okay, where was this guy? So there is a major difference between the statistics get posted versus what actually takes place on the field. And that's why I love when you and Paul do you guys is all 22. So I'm psyched to see what, what comes of this week, because there's a couple questions that I already have written down that I'm sure you guys will answer. And then we'll send them our way. We'll take a look at it as we get to the tape, but we'll have more coming up too. Peter report, uh, YouTube channel. Uh, We're going to have more tomorrow. We'll have a podcast. Scott will be on and he'll give his thoughts. uh, Some on the game too, I think. And then we'll break everything down in further detail, including, the amount of first downs runs might be the most first down runs I've ever seen from an offensive. If that might be an issue for the Bucks moving forward, we'll talk about their dues and defensive performance too, and how the numbers and the and the narrative uh, meaningfully has shifted, especially since Carlton Davis has come back uh, for the Bucks and the difference that that has made for them as well. So we'll have that coming up on the show. We got all twenty two film rooms coming this week. We got more podcasts later in the week. It's gonna be a great time, as it always is on the Peter Report uh, TV uh, channel. So Casey, Matt. 
Thank you so much for jumping in here. It was an awesome time. Bucks are division champs. It feels great to say it. I'm John Ledger. Thanks so much to everybody for listening and hit the like, subscribe to another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Out. Happy holidays, everyone.